Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Game Time Podcast with your hosts, Alex Rubinson. And I'm Shai Dweck. We have so many exciting games coming in week three. We'll start by recapping last night, Thursday night game, with the Jacksonville Jaguars losing a ugly one to the Miami Dolphins. And then we'll, obviously after that, we'll preview the rest of the week three games, a week that should be a lot of close, exciting football so let so shy. Let's get right into it because it's game time. So we'll start by recapping the Jaguars and the Dolphins and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Whenever you talk about replacing him, is when he has his big game. Like the minute we start talking about, oh, is Tua gonna come in if Fitzpatrick struggles and is this Fitzpatrick's last game? The moment we start talking about that. Is the moment we should have known, oh, Fitzpatrick is going to go off. Because that's, that's really his whole career. I guess, in, but in all seriousness, Fitzpatrick just, I believe, 18 for 20. He was putting the ball where he wanted it against any guy. They really went after C.J. Henderson, the rookie cornerback for the Jacksonville, who Henderson had played two pretty good games leading up into this game and had really impressed me. But he had a really tough time against guys like Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. Yeah, I think we mentioned it last week. You were talking, I think I brought up, maybe it was two weeks ago. I believe it was two weeks ago. And I brought up, because Ryan Fitzpatrick was really struggling against the Pats. And I brought up, you know, when do you think we'll see Tua? And <sighs> Ryan Fitzpatrick must have heard me or something, because as you said, as soon as you down him, he really starts to turn it on and show why he is still a capable guy in this league. I really, you know, I really enjoyed watching that game from the Dolphins because, you know, I was starting to lose hope a little bit, and I think that defense is really improved in that secondary. I love Brian Flores, as I know you do as well. And to see sort of that offense come together too, I, I, I feel like I can't help but root for them. Yeah, no Byron Jones too. So Dolphins losing one of their top corners. I believe Xavier Howard had a pick, so you're good to see after – his injury troubles uh, last year, he comes, makes a big impact. And I picked the Jaguars to win this game. They looked great against the Colts, very good against Tennessee, and could have easily been 2-0. and And I just thought Miami kind of came out flat to start this year. And I really do like Brian Flores, and I like the direction Miami's heading in. But through two weeks, Jacksonville looks so good, and you know, Minshew Mania was once again taking the league by storm. And Gardner Minshew looked like a very good NFL quarterback through two weeks into this NFL season. So I picked Jacksonville, and it turns out the lone bright spot was James Robinson, the undrafted rookie uh, running back for them, who scored a pair of touchdowns. But Miami really controlled this game, jumping out to the early lead and kind of just dominating throughout. I still expect Miami to finish uh in the bottom half of this division maybe not last with we see how the jets have been playing and not not good (laughs) and i'm being polite when i say that so i this game didn't have a ton of playoff implications and probably more so draft implications but you know it was fun to see fitzpatrick go out and you know when all odds are against him do what he does and you know there are some fun and exciting players james robinson undrafted obviously you know Devontae parker and uh, obviously, Gardner Minshew can always be fun to watch, good or bad. So that you know, we just want 
kind of just run through that Thursday night game, do a little quick recap. Let's now go to the Sunday games, starting with the San Francisco 49ers taking on the New York Giants. And I think it's, what, the Niners B team? You know, I think, you know, their practice squad is playing. No George Kittle. Obviously, no Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas, who are done for the year. No Raheem Mostert. No Tevin Coleman. No Jimmy Garoppolo. No Debo Samuel. No Richard Sherman. I mean, no D4. Like, the list goes on and on and on and on. By the time, you know, you might have a nice uh, high school paper by the time the list concludes. Obviously, a week ago, I gave the Giants no chance. Now, with all those injuries, Nick Mullins is actually a fine backup quarterback. I actually kind of like Nick Mullins as a backup quarterback. I think he'll be able to do a solid job this Sunday. I think I'm going to pick the Giants. I I think this is going to be a close game, which is kind of an embarrassment to the Giants that with all these injuries, the Niners could still, you know, easily, not easily win, but very much win this game. But I'll give the edge to the Giants. They finished strong against Chicago, and although it looked like they may have gotten dominated, Graham Gano missed a field goal at the end of the half. If he kicks that, they're in position to kick the game-winning field goal instead of having to go for a touchdown at the end of the game. So they very well could have won that game. Obviously, they didn't. It is what it is. But they finished strong, which I think was encouraging to see from the Joe Judge-led group. I'm going to go with the Giants, even with those injuries. I still don't feel good about it. You know, Daniel Jones has played inconsistent. Some of the mistakes are on him, and it's holding the ball. He has to get the ball out quicker. But some of the mistakes, like on the inter- on one of the interceptions, or I guess his only interception against Chicago, he was targeting Evan Engram, who kind of slipped, and the defender was able to jump, you know, jump the route and make the easy interception, which, you know, at first glance you might say, who is Jones throwing to? But that exactly wasn't on him. This Niners defense is still very talented. They still have Eric Armstead. They still have their first-round pick, Javon Kinlaw. Brandon Ayuk, uh, their other first-round pick, is playing. Derek McKinnon's their running back. They still have a very talented team, and credit to them with all the depth they have. But why not give the edge to the Giants? And James Bradbury, their corner who they signed in free agency, has been absolutely tremendous. He's been a true number one corner. Yeah, I'm going to concur with you, Alex, and I will also give the edge to your Giants this week. You know, we saw, looking back at those two weeks, against Pittsburgh, of the best defense in the NFL, and they come out and they confuse Ben Roethlisberger with these different blitz packages early in that first quarter. Look for them to do something similar here with a young quarterback backup in Nick Mullins, who I do also like as you do, Alex. But I do think it'll be interesting to see how that Giants defense tries to approach that. Obviously, you'll see big roles from IU, but I'm sure Bradbury is more than up to that task, given how banged up these 49ers are. I think that we've seen the Giants play two, you know, two and O teams, and one of them, I think, my Steelers are significantly better than the Chicago Bears. I I agree. But, I agree. I just want to say. Both teams, though, have excellent defenses. I still Pittsburgh has the number one defense in my mind, but I'd still put Pittsburgh in the upper tier for de- in terms of defenses. Chicago. Uh, what did I say? You misspoke. You said Pittsburgh. 
Oh, well, yes, I would I would put Pittsburgh number one, and then Chicago, I don't really know how the others kind of unfold in a order, but kind of in that upper echelon, upper tier, I would put Chicago. Yeah, I would agree with that. And you saw the Giants, you know, against Pittsburgh, there were a li- some mistakes, I think, made there, but really, they never really laid down and gave us the this game, so we had to work all the way through it. They could have been, been in position should certain things gone a certain way. Um, eventually some mistakes made, careless issues made by Daniel Jones. He needs to play a little bit better. But again, as you said, it's not all on him. And then, and, and again, Graham Gano makes that kick. They're in position there. So um, I'm looking for the Giants to, to kind of eke one out in a close game here. And it's a really banged-up Niners team. Yeah, and I, I kind of said their great uh, free agent acquisition, Bradbury, has played well. But also their other major free agent signing, Blake Martinez, has really stepped up and become one an incredible linebacker. He's making a, a ton of tackles, and a lot of these tackles are right around the line of scrimmage. So it's not like he's cleaning up missed tackles or anything. He's making he's making a pretty big impact right around that line of scrimmage, along with some of their other younger interior defensive linemen. Dexter Lawrence has played really well, along with Leonard Williams, who he kind of had played well. He was on the he's on the franchise tag and. I obviously have not been a fan of the trade for Leonard Williams and the franchise tag, but I will give him credit that maybe he's still not worth the money he's getting paid, but he is playing well to start this young NFL season. So we're both picking the Giants for the second week in a row. I did not see this coming at the start of the season, but uh, who knows what happens in the NFL. So let's go now to another uh, matchup containing an NFC East team, the Washington football team against the Cleveland Browns. I'm going to take Cleveland here. I think Baker Mayfield, we saw what he did against Cincinnati, and I know Washington has a much, much better defense than they than since he does. But Baker Mayfield showed that, yes, he's going to be a pain in the you-know-what sometimes, and he can make some boneheaded decisions, but he still has the talent there. Odell, we saw him hit for, you know, Mayfield hit Odell for a long touchdown. And big, or Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt ran wild. And again, I don't think they're going to have that type of success against a very good front four for Washington. But I, I am picking Cleveland. And I think this will be a good game with the defense of the Washington football team really keeping them in it. Yeah, this Browns offensive line, Alex, that undergo a little bit of a makeover in the offseason will really be tested, as you said, against one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. I'm going to go with the Browns, too, um, in this game. And it's not so much that I really think they're super superior. I mean, because on the paper they are, but have they played like it? Sure, they beat the Bengals, but I think the Washington football team's defense is uh it's much better it's much better there's no doubt about it. it's much better i guess my biggest concern is dwayne haskins you know we saw him play pretty well against detroit and he hasn't made any terrible terrible plays that you know maybe we saw a lot a year ago but i still think you know denzel ward the browns have miles garrett off the edge this browns defense i think should be good enough to maybe force a turnover or two or in a close game, I I don't trust Haskins at the end of the game. I'm not saying I trust Mayfield, but if I tr- if I trust if I had to have one quarterback out of in this game right now, I would pick Mayfield. 
Yeah, I was just about to say that, Alex. I think this offense, it's not as much that I don't trust the Redskins' defense, because I really do. Well, I mean, that's not a defense. It's the Washington football team. <laughs> Sorry. This Washington, you got to give me some slack here. I believe that's my first mess up of this new year. You can start tallying the... Uh, no. Hey, I, I think I, I've messed up, maybe not on the podcast, but I, I when just speaking to friends or family about football, I have, I have accidentally said their, for, their old name quite a few times, so... <laughs> You did it again, by the way. Oh, gosh. (laughs) This Washington football team. It's offense to make the plays and move the ball. And it's not as much that I like the Browns' defense. I I just think there's there's too many moving parts, and I don't think Haskins has... uh, I think Haskins is going to hurt himself. It's a one-man show, that offense, with McLaurin. And I think, I'm not saying Denzel Ward can completely eliminate McLaurin, but I think he can do a good enough job where McLaurin is not absolutely dominating and carrying that offense to the point where Washington putting up a significant amount of points. If the Browns don't turn the football over, or at least don't turn the football over a significant amount, they should win this game. So let's keep this NFC East theme going to the Cincinnati Bengals and, you know, Joe Burrow, obviously, week three for him facing the really struggling Carson Wentz-led Eagles. Carson Wentz, yeah, maybe, you know, we talked about that online really struggling week one last week against the Rams. Carson Wentz just looked terrible. I mean, that wasn't the offensive line. He was making throws with his feet not set. He was inaccurate, you know. He was just he was just missing a bunch of open guys, or you know, just making a lot of bad decisions with the football. So I'm gonna go with Philly because I'm still a believer in Wentz, although he does have to play better. And I think we saw that Bengals defense struggle against the Browns last week, and obviously, you know, the Bengals, you know, offense they have some nice pieces. We don't. A.J. Green does not look like himself, and the Eagles do have Darius Slay, who can shut down uh, whoever they want. Who, basically, the Eagles can pick a receiver on Cincinnati and say, we don't want this guy to beat us, and I believe Darius Slay can do that job. I don't, you know, Mixon hasn't been that guy that maybe we thought he was. He's been okay. He's been pretty good, but he hasn't, you know, been great so far on this young season. So, yeah, I'm going, I'm going with Philly. I think they're you know, just a better team right now. They're obviously a more developed team than the very young and inexperienced Cincinnati. Yeah, give me the Eagles again and a bounce back big win. Um, I expect, I mean, they have to, really. I mean, if they don't win this game... They're in trouble. There's got to be a lot of changes made or, or something needs to be, something needs to, to happen there. I, I expect Carson Wentz in this... Philadelphia team to come out with a hunger and a drive and an anger against this Cincinnati Bengals team and really show that you know we we can't count them out yet and you know I picked them to uh, to win this division and I'm not backing down from that I really do think they have in the tank. Yeah, I mean, I guess the one the one 
thing that's uh that's really been staying the same is even with no fans, the Eagles are still getting booed off the field. <laughs> so, let's now go to a an in a very interesting game. The Las Vegas Raiders, who are coming off a huge upset win against the New Orleans Saints, are facing the Patriots, the New England Patriots, where Cam Newton is coming off an excellent game against Jamal against Jamal Adams in the Seahawks defense. The game is in New England. The Patriots, I believe, are winning this game. I don't. I'm not saying it was a fluke this past Monday night uh, with the Raiders, but I think Cam Newton's looking like maybe his best self, especially with throwing the ball. He's throwing the ball incredibly well. And, you know, this defense was, you know, obviously Russell Wilson kind of carved them up. No Henry Ruggs. And we know Bill Belichick takes what you do well the best. So I have confidence that he'll be able to eliminate either Josh Jacobs and or Darren Waller. But I believe he'll be able to eliminate at least one of those guys. I like the Patriots in this game. I mean, the game's in New England. So that, you know, maybe if you were on the brink, that would lean you to pick New England. But uh, this Cam this Cam Newton led offense looks really good. Yeah, Alex. I think we were talking back uh, in the NFL preview podcast way back when. It was like such a long time ago. Like and three I was weeks ago. About how Cam Newton is kind of the wild card for this New England Patriots team, and obviously that's not anything bold to say. And I was talking about how I don't think you know that he's going to be able to throw the ball well with his shoulder and that I don't think he'll be the same threat with his legs and never could I have been more wrong that's the conclusion here he looks fantastic Josh McDaniels and that Patriots offense is utilizing him um, and they were in position to win that game I think with a better play calls him a little less predictable we could have seen them upset the Seattle Seahawks I, I really do like this Patriots team I think they've shined surprisingly more on the offensive side of the ball than on the defensive side of the ball. And I think they will continue to improve in that area. Um, but it will be interesting to see against a really a hot Raiders team which has uh, the offensive weapons to do the job. And really, I remember you saying this, um, maybe we were texting or something, that the Raiders' defense is the problem. So it will be interesting to see that those kind of matchups as they play out. But uh, I would really, it's, a, it's going to be a test for both of these teams. But I do like New England here. Yeah, and I'll be interested to see, especially with Henry Ruggs not playing in this game, does Stephon Gilmore travel with Darren Waller on when he lines up in the slot, when he lines up on the inside, wherever he lines up? Because especially with Ruggs out, there's not that one Raiders receiver that really scares me. They have a couple of really of really nice players. I like Hunter Renfro. I like Brian Edwards. But outside of Waller, and I guess really Josh Jacobs too, they don't have a a receiver that really strikes fear in a defensive in a defense's eyes, at least not at this point in their young receivers' careers. So now let's go to the uh, the aforementioned two and zero Chicago Bears. Facing the 0-2 Falcons after their epic collapse against the Dallas Cowboys. This game is in Atlanta. And I know it's 2-0 against 0-2. But I'm going with the Falcons. Because I think the Bears... This will be... 
I think what they're the best offense they face. You know, so they face Detroit, good offense. They face the Giants, inconsistent offense, especially with Saquon and Shepard getting injured early in the game. This is the best offense they faced. Atlanta's put points on the board, even if maybe some of it was garbage time in the first game. Julio Jones might not play. He's a real question mark. And if he doesn't play, I think this game maybe will be closer than we thought, than we initially think. But I'm, I would still pick Atlanta. Matt Ryan has played really well. Calvin Ridley might, is the best receiver in the NFL through these first two weeks of the season. You know, Thomas has been injured, Adams is banged up, and looks like he might miss a game, which we'll get to later. Julio obviously might miss a game, but through these first two weeks, Calvin Ridley's been the best receiver in the NFL. And we saw Atlanta be able to create some turnovers. You know, I I believe was four fumbles early on against the Dallas Cowboys. So, although, although that defense really struggled, really, midway through the second quarter, and throughout the rest of the game, their defense showed the ability to create those turnovers. And again, the Bears facing, I still think they're a good defense, Chicago, but facing the best offense they have so far, I got Atlanta getting their first win of the season. Yeah, Alex, if this game was in Chicago, I'd be picking the Bears just because of how dominant that defense appears to be on that home and, turf. And Atlanta also doesn't get that dome. You know, obviously they played in... They've played indoors first week against Atlanta at their home stadium and then last week in Dallas. So I think if we're in Chicago, especially if maybe the weather were a little cooler than Atlanta is accustomed to, I think I might go with Chicago. But with it being indoors and, you know, Atlanta's home field, I got, you know, I got the Falcons. Yeah, I also have the Falcons here. Um, I'm looking for this Atlanta team to really just finish strong, finish games, and that's they, they they've lost you know I, I think against um in, in week in, in you know in week one they really struggled they they, 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 they or that was week two against Dallas that was that was week two I they faced know, Dallas know. week Atlanta faced Dallas week two yes week two sorry the epic the I, epic I, collapse was last week was was less than a week ago as of recording this podcast the epic collapse was less than a week ago. <laughs> Maybe I'm going in the mind of a Falcons fan a little bit, trying to... We're sorry, Falcons fans. Falcons fans. Yeah, I I don't predict such epic claps here. I do think this should be a a good size win here for the Falcons. Um, The Chicago defense is good, but I do really like Matt Ryan. He's played well. You said Calvin Redley. I, I can only continue to sing his praises. Hayden so, Hurst has had a really good couple weeks with his Hurst. new team. But I really do expect the Falcons to pick up their first win and just echoing everything you said. But if they don't, Dan Quinn's seat is on fire. I to be honest, I think his seat is already pretty pretty hot. It's already you know it the water's almost at near the water if you put water there, it would be starting to boil. <laughs> so well, Alex. I, Remind me what I've said about Dan Quinn on this podcast. Well, I don't know if you said on the podcast, but you have texted me multiple times that you thought, what, he should have been fired two years ago? Yeah. So, I, I, I think unless they have some kind of huge turnaround, and I look, I expect them to win this game, but unless they go on a huge win streak and win games they're not supposed to win, 
that epic collapse on Sunday against Dallas might have been the icing on the cake. I mean, it's really tough to come back from an 0-2 start. Well, you know, sometimes it depends on who you play. But that game, and they have had a tough couple games. I'll give, you know, Atlanta's faced two really good teams. Teams that we expect to be either in the playoffs or at least fighting for the playoffs. But losing a 20-point lead, and especially the, you know, lack of fundamentals, it seemed, especially towards the end of the game, even if they win this game, I don't think it says a. It's not going to determine a whole lot in terms of oh, all of a sudden Dan Quinn is fine. So that loss will hurt his chances of beco- of staying as the Falcons head coach past this season. So let's go to maybe one of maybe the best game that nobody's talking about: the Los Angeles Rams against the Buffalo Bills, and. You know, the Rams, you're thinking, oh, you know, they're a nice team, but in a competitive division, are they the worst team in their division? You know, they'll be a nice, you know, a good team, maybe not a fringe playoff team. All of a sudden, they look like the team that went to the Super Bowl. And then our question was with the Bills was, oh, you know, Josh Allen is about a league average quarterback. He can run, but he's inaccurate downfield. And, and all of a sudden, Josh Allen's an MVP candidate. Now, obviously, you know, it's two weeks, and, you know, 15 weeks, you know, we could look back 15 weeks, you know, after now and look like complete idiots for thinking Allen's an MVP candidate and the Rams are their 2017-2018 version. I'm going to go with the Rams. And I'm going to pick the Rams. And the game's in Buffalo, which makes it really difficult. But I'm going to go with the Rams just because Jared Goff looks so sharp. And I still want to see Josh Allen do it against a much, much better competition. And this is the test. This is Josh Allen's big test because they have Rams defense, I know, has some question marks, but they have Ramsey, they have Donald, they can get after the quarterback. And Sean McVay looked, you know, after calling him, you know, like what, kid, you know, boy genius and whatever, and then it looked like that entire team was flat next year or last year. He looks, he looks like that, you know, what, kid wonder again. He looks like the guy scheming things up, and you know I'm just I'm really excited to see you know what he has against probably maybe the best defense they face because Buffalo is a tough defense, but I got the Rams winning this one in a very close matchup, and I think we've lost shy, so. I, he did tell me beforehand he's going with Buffalo. And and I think a big reason why he said is because of that defense. He really like he really liked the Bills defense. And I really like that defense too, with uh really led by Tredavious White and both teams look really well coached. But uh yeah, he's got Buffalo, I got Rams. That's a game that we're gonna looks like we're gonna disagree on. But uh for now, I'm just going to kind of keep moving on. We're going to go now to the Texans, the 0-2 Texans, but probably facing the two best teams maybe in the NFL, the Chiefs and then the Ravens, taking on maybe the third best team in the NFL, or at least the AFC, in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers, 2-0. I have the Steelers going to 3-0. Shy, who's a Steelers fan, he did not tell me who he's picking, but... I'm going to assume he's going with his team, the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. Deshaun Watson and that offense have really struggled 
it seems like, you know, they have not been clicking whatsoever. And again, we kind of touched on it earlier. The Steelers have the best defense in the NFL in both of our minds. So with that ferocious pass rush, with that pretty good, you know, really good secondary led by Minka Fitzpatrick and Joe Hayden, I expect the Pittsburgh Steelers to advance to 3-0 and Houston Texans. And I know they face kind of the big three in the AFC, but they're going to fall to 0-3 it looks like. And 0-3 is definitely tough to come back from. And it looked, Shy, Shy is back, Shy. I kind of wrapped up the Bills, Rams. I did say you were picking the Bills. I am. So I'm kind of not, we're talking about the Texans-Steelers, and I was kind of just talking about Texans. I expect the Texans to lose this game, and I expect Pittsburgh with that dominant defense and Houston not clicking on all cylinders whatsoever, that I expect the Steelers, you know, to get the W. But Houston phone to 0-3, and I, and I said that, like, they faced the three best teams in the AFC, but... That could be a scary sight for any team to be at 0-3 at some point in the year. Houston was able to come back from it a few a couple years ago, but 0-3 is definitely has def you've definitely dug yourself a hole when you're 0-3 in a division that should be pretty competitive. Yeah, it's gonna be rough for them. I don't. I'm, I apologize again for my technical difficulties with my Wi-Fi and breaking out everything again. We're doing this virtually. We're all we're all trying to adjust to this new world unprecedented times so it we were, we were able to carry on uh until you got back which is great so kind of obviously the Steelers are your team kind of you have the floor with Texans likely to fall to 0-3 but also your thoughts on uh Big Ben who I actually have not talked about yet so take it away yeah so when I when I look at first I think I want to take it back to Steelers Bronco just a minute do a quick analysis a little bit because of course I'm you know watching my team and uh, of course you know really trying to get nitpicky and analytical here Big Ben would come out in certain drives and he would pick apart this Broncos defense like he was carving a cake like like he, he, you know like he was like two or three years ago like prime Ben right or he would come out he would have 10 seconds in the pocket. He would sit there. He would sit there. And then he would lollipop one in the middle of the field in the general direction of Juju Smith-Schuster. And it was intercepted for a big return by Justin Simmons. So I'm looking for consistency. Consistency from Ben and consistency from his offense. Now, something I do also want to illustrate is that right side of the offensive line was darn good, Alex. Rookie, third-string right guard. Fourth-round draft pick, Kevin Dawson in Louisiana, no problem. He comes in there. He plays really well. Chuck Sokafor does his thing. You know, this is a starting caliber uh, tackle in this league. With Zach Banner going down, I have confidence in him. But that right side will get tested with- against J.J. Watt here in this, in this Texans line. And... Speaking of J.J. Watt, we're going to have all three Watt brothers playing in this game. The Steelers having T.J. Watt on their defensive side and Derek Watt as their fullback. And obviously, Shai just mentioned J.J. Watt of the Texans. So last year we had the Edmonds brothers, all three of them, with the Steelers as well, and the Bills. And now we have the Watt brothers. Yeah. And then back, back to what I was saying. Another thing for the Steelers' defense, which is oh so good, you know, had a nice stat line. Two takeaways should have been three had Mike Tomlin challenged a fumble by draft. Jessica wasn't called a fumble, but really was in that first quarter. Seven sacks, 
Uh, I believe it was 19 tackles for a loss. Uh, great stat line, but toward the end, this secondary seemed to struggle, especially with Noah Fant down the stretch, and it all came down to penalties. They could not get off the field on third down, and it really was bad pass interference penalties. That's and uh, Mike Thomas brought in officials in practice, and they're going to try to clean that up, and they need to. Because I will tell you one thing, Alex. Deshaun Watson is quarterbacking that game for Denver. They win. They need to step it up here. The Steelers start slow, but they need to have show consistency on offense and to remove those penalties. If they do that, they should be able to harass Deshaun Watson and in that pocket and really be able to pull out a win. I see you smiling, Alex. Let, let's let's move on to the Titans who have are two and zero. But they have barely, barely gotten out with two wins against the Broncos and Jaguars, respectively. Against the 0-2 Vikings, where one week the defense looks terrible, the next week the offense looks incompetent. This Vikings team, through two weeks, has probably been the most... Uh, I'm trying to think of a, of a word to describe, but this just disappointing. You know, I thought they would. I thought they could upset the Packers for the division. I thought they could upset the Packers week one. I mean, they've come out flat on both sides of the ball. For the third straight week, I'm picking the Vikings. The game is in Minnesota. This Titan, Titans are going to be without AJ Brown again, and I know the Titans are two and zero, but they have not looked dominant. I'm. St- I know I'm probably going to get burned. For- I might get burned for the third week in a row. We'll come back next week, and the Vikings will be zero and three. Uh, I, but I do think the Vikings will finally, finally get their first win. I, you know, I do like Mike Zimmer. That defense, even if the secondary with the, mainly the cornerbacks are still struggling, you know, I expect that run defense. I know they're facing Derrick Henry, but I expect that run defense to be pretty good overall, and make sure Derrick Henry doesn't go absolutely wild. And again, with the Titans missing their true number one receiver with AJ Brown, that takes that should take some load off that secondary. Titans have a solid defense, but I'm thinking, you know, Dalvin Cook should be able to have a pretty good game, and hopefully they use Adam Thielen more, because we saw he had a huge game against Green Bay, and then he was really non-existent against the Colts. So, you know, get uh, Thielen involved more. He is your number one wide receiver. That offensive line has to play better. Kirk Cousins has to play better, but for the third week in a row, I'm going. I'm rolling with the Vikings. I like their safeties. Their cornerbacks are the ones that have struggled. I think Anthony Harrison, Harrison Smith should play pretty well, though. No, they're two of the, that's one of the best combinations in the league. But again, those, those corners, I don't think you, know, you need A.J. Brown to really dice them up if you're Ryan Tannehill. Um, and then also going back to the other side of the ball, I, I, I think Kirk Cousins, I, I, just, I don't know what to say there. I, I can't trust this Vikings offense right now. So let's move on to the Panthers against Justin Herbert and the Chargers. 
I know they lost last week, but boy, did Justin Herbert look impressive. Yeah, he certainly did, Alex. Um, and many, many people were writing this off as a game. Oh, the Chiefs will come out and they'll blow them out and, you know. Especially when people saw Herbert was starting. Yeah. Herbert really made that one terrible play that ended up kind of costing them the game where he could have, like, slept walked for a first down and said, like, cross body, just chucked it into triple coverage and it was intercepted. And so that's something where he has to really just take the yardage, take the first down, take what the defense gives you. But overall, that was really his only that was really his only mistake, and he's he showed in, incredible velocity, accuracy was obviously the biggest question mark. But for mo- for the most part, he kind of put those question marks to bed at least for now. And obviously, it's all about consistency in the NFL. And his maybe aside from accuracy, or I guess kind of you know, they kind of connect, is consistency with this, what's his big question mark when he was drafted. So, obviously, he had a great game against the defending Super Bowl champions, but he faces a pretty good matchup with the Carolina Panthers, and I expect this to be a fairly, you know, decently high-scoring game. I think that both teams could put up points, or they could both not put up points. I don't... <laughs> both te- Panthers, I don't like their defense. Chargers, I do like their defense, but Panthers have shown the ability to put up points. I got the Chargers win this game. I think Justin Herbert gets his first win in the NFL. Yeah, I concur, Alex. I think Justin Herbert showed up until that last moment that uh, that he could turn in and blossom into this really, really good quarterback um, in this league. And again, we've talked about this before, um, on, I think on the podcast and off the podcast, so we both really like this Chargers defense until that it's one of the most underrated in the National Football League. They've got a, a great cornerback uh, tandem with uh, Casey Hayward, and um, I'm blanking. Help me, Alex. Chris Harris, uh, right? Chris Harris, that's who it was. Yeah. I remember he came over for, from Denver. From Denver, right. I was about to say Aqib Tlaib, and I'm like, no, that's not right, Shy. He's <laughs> playing. He's retired. But, yes, exactly. Um but I really do like this Chargers defense, and I think that's where the game will be won. Yeah, and I, I think Herbert, I think he's going to have, you know, second week in a run, I think he's going to have a very, very sharp game. I think he's going to come out firing, and I think he could have a really nice day against the suspect at best, Carolina defense. So let's now go to, I guess, continue with the afternoon games. Panthers Chargers was the first afternoon game. The Jets and Colts. The Jets, I mean, Crowder's injured, Le'Veon's injured. They weren't a very talented team to begin with, and then you factor in all the injuries. Colts should blow them out. Yeah, I completely agree, Alex. I think, I mean, there's just the Jets' stink. There's not much to, to say here. Besides that, they just, they're playing terrible football. Their team looks like a mess. I, I you gotta give it to the Colts. Yeah, and I think it's really tough to evaluate Sam Darnold. You know, your weapons are injured when they weren't strong to begin with. Your best offensive lineman is a rookie, you know, in Mekhi Becton. Becton has played pretty well, but overall that offensive line is very suspect. You have not put the necessary talent around Donald to properly evaluate him, where if you are picking number one or number two in the 2021 draft, you're going to have to make a decision. Do we roll with Sam? Or do we take Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, depending on you know where you're picking, how you view them? But 
I don't know if the Jets have... It's tough to make the evaluation. You know, we see Baker Mayfield. Browns have put a ton of talent, fixed the offensive line. You can make a proper evaluation with Mayfield. And I think Josh Allen, and he's played very well. But you can now, I feel like, make a proper evaluation with Josh Allen. Sam Darnold, if he goes to a much better situation, we could we could be talking about it. We could be talking about him like he's a very good quarterback. He's had his moments, but the lack of talent around him and you know, he, the defense isn't much better. It's not helping him and the coaching has been terrible with you know, starting with Adam Gase. Sam Darnold has struggled and some of it's him some of it's he's shown regression which you never want to see in a young quarterback but some of it's also the you know lack of a team lack of a supporting cast around him and I think it's gonna be a very tough decision for the Jets because you know we don't really know what Sam Darnold is and I don't know if we're gonna know what he truly is anytime soon when you look at that team yeah just a rough situation for him and Hoping that they can evaluate him correctly. Let's now go to a very interesting game. The Dallas Cowboys coming. You know, we talked about the epic collapse. Well, they were the team with the epic comeback. Same game, obviously. Having that epic comeback against the Atlanta Falcons. They're now going to Seattle to take on the Seattle Seahawks, who, in my opinion, through two... And I know, it's all two weeks of reactions galore. But through two weeks, the Seahawks are the best team in the NFC. And they might even be the best team in the NFL. And Russell Wilson's the best player in the NFL, period. Look, right now, through two weeks, no one's been better than Russell Wilson. I agree. (laughs) I mean, he has nine touchdowns and 11 incompletions. He has two more incompletions than touchdowns. That's how crazy he's been. His one interception was on a ball that hit Greg Olson right in the hands and it, you know... Tip obviously hit him in the hands and wound up in the arms of McCordy, who took it for a touchdown. But Russell Wilson is playing like the MVP I think we expected coming into this year. And he has the Seahawks right where we thought they would be. I'm going to go with Seattle. It's The game's in Seattle. You know, Dallas, maybe not accustomed to. Obviously, they have to travel far. We don't know the weather, but, you know, it might not be what Dallas is used to. I do think, though, this D, this it could be a very good game. I think Dallas does have the offensive firepower to hang around. But at the end of the day, I think Russell Wilson continues his MVP campaign in Seattle. Uh, Seattle ends up 3-0 and after this week, and I don't see their team slowing down anytime soon. Mr. Unlimited. <laughs> Truly unlimited, Alex, um, with his skill set there. I, I also like Seattle to win this game. They, I, I mean, I can't really pick against them at home. I mean, I, I just, I can't. Play the way they're game. playing, can you pick against them, period? Yeah, I mean, maybe against the Chiefs or the Ravens, uh, but really against any other NFC team, I, I don't think I could do it, uh, to be frank, Alex. Um, the one concern for me is this pass rush, and we've talked about it a little bit here, and it really showed against that New England against the New England Patriots, especially in that fourth quarter. When it mattered, they could not get after Cam Newton. They were trying all different things, sending all different guys at him. He had all the time in the world to make those throws downfield to Julian Edelman, to kill Harry, etc., etc. 
So well, they'll get, they'll get, I believe, what? Diggs was thrown out in that game, right? He was ejected, I believe. Right, so, yeah. so I, they'll I, get I, him. I know you're talking about the pass rush, but that secondary did not look great outside of Jamal Adams. I know Dunbar had the pick, and he was okay, but Edelman carved them up. And Newton looked really good throwing the football against them. So that secondary has to play better because Dallas has three really good receivers in C.D. Lamb, their rookie, Michael Gallup, and Amari Cooper, along with a guy like Dalton Schultz, their tight end, who showed he was, you know, he could be a, de- a you know decent tight end. Obviously, they have Zeke as well. So Cowboys have a lot of weapons, and Jamal Adams has played out of his mind these first two games. So I'm seeing who's that other Seahawk, who's going to be that second, third, fourth Seahawk to really step up and make his presence felt to not only make Jamal Adams' job easier, but also if Jamal Adams is, you know, attracting all the attention, who's going to be that other guy to reap the benefits? Because, you know, Dunbar obviously has had his moments, and there have been guys to maybe have a nice moment or two, but no one's been that consistent force outside of Jamal Adams. Yeah, I think that's right. I do expect them to improve, though, because you've got talented... uh you got ta- definitely got some talented players in that secondary, and they do have depth there as well. But again, I think the pass, the pass rush is the question mark. But again, the way Russell Wilson's playing, you can't pick against him right now in the NFC, Alex. No, you cannot. Let's now move to a pretty interesting game. The Detroit Lions, who have all kinds of question marks, and we were talking about Dan Quinn on the hot seat. How about Matt Patricia? I mean, he's probably on the hot seat just as much as Dan Quinn is, they're taking on the high-flying Arizona Cardinals, and Cardinals beat the Niners. They beat a game we expected to win last week against Washington. I I think this is going to be a really good game, actually. I think it's going to be pretty high-scoring. Galladay, even though he's not 100%, is expected to play. I think it's going to be a pretty good test for that Arizona defense, but in the end, I know we've kind of you know thrown out Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, but so far, Kyler looks like a pretty legitimate MVP contender himself. I'm not saying he'll win, but I think so far he's definitely in the conversation. Yeah, this Cardinals offense is scary. Kyler Murray in the in the open field should give you similar nightmares to that of Lamar Jackson. Um, again, you know, there I'm not saying he's just as good. I think Jackson's better, but I think we can, you know, we've seen Kyler Murray do some Really unspeakable things of his legs, and I mean, he he seems like a pre. He also seems like a pre-developed passer for a guy. His, you know, we because Lamar, Lamar's become Lamar's become a very good passer. I feel like Kyler right off the bat showed he could be a great uh, passer and thrower of the football. Lamar has kind of transitioned into that, which makes it even more scary. I feel like, and I'm not saying like. Kyler still has room to develop, obviously, and Lamar's a better player right now, but Kyler's well on his way to becoming, you know, kind of in the realm or in the range of what Lamar is. Yeah, I I definitely agree. He's one of the fastest guys in the NFL, period. Um, Maybe one of the fastest quarterbacks. But I do think it's going to be a a big test for this uh, relatively young inexperienced Arizona Cardinals defense, but I do like the Cardinals to get a win here. They're just the better team, and I know we don't play games on paper for a reason, but I really do like them in this game. 
And I think we owe, I know it's, you know, still early in his tenure, second year, but I think we all owe Cliff Kingsbury a huge apology. Getting fired at the club, yeah, fired at the collegiate level. I thought, I'm saying, what are you doing? You're, you know, hiring this guy? Like, who is he? It seems like he's like a great offensive mind, but that's not what you want in a head coach. Coach, you want way more than that. But he seems like the right man for the job, and I think we all owe the, maybe Steve Kime for hiring Cliff Kingsbury, but also owing Ken Kingsbury himself a huge apology. <laughs> so now let's go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Brady last week against Carolina, getting his first win as a Buccaneer facing the Denver Broncos, who are pretty beat up. Cortland Sutton out for the year. AJ Boye is injured. Von Miller's most likely out for the year. Drew Locke is out for about, you know, it's I've seen two to six from three to five, so but he'll be out for a significant period of time. Bucks, I probably would have picked him anyway, but with all the injuries Denver's going to, uh, obviously Jeff Driscoll's going to get the start. Buccaneers should win this game pretty easily. Yeah, like I, I, I feel badly uh, that the Broncos have suffered so much injuries, especially. Uh, potentially for true lock because I was looking forward to him really stepping up with these nice group of weapons and seeing what he can do and I guess now we're not going to really be able to see that for a full season which is really unfortunate but I like the Bucks also to win this game they're just a better team they're healthier I mean they're better even when they're not but even when they're uh the Broncos are also healthy uh I want to see Tom Brady come in here with that onslaught of weapons and just light it up because I I feel like we haven't really gotten a full dosage of that Bucks offense. Well, I think Week One Evans played Evans played Week One, but obviously wasn't hundred percent. Godwin just flat out missed last week with an injury. They're both back. They both should be a hundred percent healthy or at least close to it because I don't think anyone really is a hundred percent when you play multiple games in the NFL. But they both should be healthy. Cam Bray, OJ Howard, Gronk. Even if Gronk's in a blocking role. You know, the tight end position is not a one-dimensional position. I, You know, you go back 15 years ago, the tight end position was a blocking position. And, you know, with guys like Tony Gonzalez, Rob Gronkowski, and now, you know, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller even. Kittle is, I think Kittle's the best tight end in the NFL because of his ability to block and catch the ball. But, you know, the tight end position has really evolved into more of a receiving role than it really has been for much of the NFL's history. So I think if Gronk, if he dominates as a blocker and you you still have guys like Bright and Howard, I think the, this Bucks offense will still be okay. They'll, they'll be okay if Gronk can be a dominant That's blocking right. tight end. They'll, they'll manage. They'll make it. They'll, they'll manage if Gronk can be a dominant blocking tight end. So let's now go to probably the two best games. And we get them Sunday night and Monday night. Let's start with the Sunday night. Green Bay Packers and another MVP candidate, Aaron Rodgers, looking like the typical MVP Aaron Rodgers that a lot of people, including myself, have grown accustomed to seeing. But he'll be most likely without Devontae Adams. Adams is doubtful. There's a slim chance he plays, but I definitely would not expect it against Drew Brees, who he does not look like himself. He's looked like a shell of himself from what we're accustomed to seeing. And he will also be without his number one guy in Michael Thomas. And he looked 
he looked really bad last week. I mean, there were he did not look good. But I will say this: you rewatch some of his bad missed throws. You look at it, it's like, you know, that was way off target. We're not accustomed to seeing that from Drew Brees, who might be the most accurate passer ever. And some of the times, like he was trying to lead a receiver, or he was throwing where he thought he would be, and the receiver or tight end or whoever just stopped. You know. They would kind of stop, you know, and Brees thought they were going to keep going. And that's miscommunication, and they, they do have to get that figured out. But I think on those types of plays, you can't put all of that on Brees. Because as a quarterback, you're trying to lead your receiver. You're trying to pick up those extra yards. And if the receiver stops or tight end stops, again, you know, I say receiver, sometimes I'm grouping all those guys. That's on them. That's not on the quarterback. So, you know, they... I, Brees being the leader that he is, and they have, you know, really good coaches on that staff, you know, I expect them to kind of go over some of those plays that happened against the Raiders, and I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints. I know a lot of people are going with the Packers, and I expect this to be a very competitive game, and I expect this to be a tremendous game, one of the games of the year, possibly, but the game's in the Dome, the Saints always thrive in the Dome more than they do on the road. Even if it's ideal conditions on the road, they still usually, I don't know why, but they play much better in their Dome compared to others. And with Adams most likely out, you know, I'm making, I'm saying all this with the assumption that Devontae Adams will not be good to go. Both teams are losing their number one receiver. And Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara, I think will be a fun, fun matchup. Two guys who can really catch the ball in the backfield as we knew Kamara could, but Aaron Jones has really developed that part of his game. I Even with the top receivers out, I expect this to be a shootout still. I really like that Saints defense with Lattimore, Malcolm Jenkins, um, Janoris Jenkins, and that defensive front. And I think at the, at the end of the day, that might prove to be the difference. Packers have a pretty good defense too, but I'm going with the New Orleans Saints at home. struggles and I agree with you it is uh partly on the receivers and I think that's uh in part also because there's there hasn't been a training camp OTAs less time to get in sync with these guys that are the third and fourth options without Michael Thomas so I think that's definitely contributing and maybe we'll see a different sort of uh an offensive attack and getting those issues cleared out here because if they want to win this game they're gonna have to do that um Personally, I think the Packers' defense is better than the Saints' defense. Fair. I think Jair they're both... Yeah, Jair Alexander's very good. I think I probably... Alexander's played extremely well. I probably like Lattimore still a little more, but it's close. Desmond King is there, too. Uh, Darnell Savage uh, is, is turned into a... And then you have the Smith player. brothers on their defense line. No, I like the Packers' defense. I also really like the Saints' defense. It's close for me, and I think if if this game were in Green Bay, I don't think the Saints have a chance. I really I don't think the Saints have a chance at the games in Green Bay with that weather. Even even if it's not freezing, even if it's not, not the frozen tundra, I think I think the Packers would dominate if they were in Green Bay. So I still think it'll be a close game. It could come down. It'll it'll most likely be a one possession game, but I think the Saints sneak one out. But you know what I think, Alex? The Packers win. Rodgers is going to come out here and he's going to be Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's it's close. It's Russell Wilson, then it's like Aaron Rodgers, then it's like Pat Mahomes. Right now, granted, at, as of now, don't, you know, 
come at me or anything um, so far as what we've seen. But I really do think uh, Aaron Rodgers is right now the better quarterback than Drew Brees, even with the both receivers being out. And I think at the end of the day, Oh no, did we lose Shy again? Well, anyway, you kind of heard most of his analysis. He's going with the Green Bay Packers. Now let's go to the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, Shy, you're back. Yes. Perfect. I was kind of just transitioning because we don't have that much time to Chiefs-Ravens. I think if it were on neutral site, I would pick KC. But because this game's in Baltimore, I'm going to go with the Ravens. I think they have the slight edge. I think the Chiefs have the slight edge at quarterback with Mahomes over Lamar. But I think that Ravens defense is really good and Ashona can be really good. And Mahomes did not have a Mahomes game last week, except for maybe that crazy touchdown and then two-point conversion. And I feel like this Chiefs offense hasn't been as dominant as it has been in the past. Obviously, they put up a ton of points against the Texans, but just watching the game and looking at the kind of the eye test point of view, it just they just did not look dominant that offense, and obviously they did not look dominant against a rookie quarterback and the char- and a pretty good Chargers defense, but not a great great Chargers defense. I think the Ravens have a slight it's close, but I do like the Ravens defense over the Chargers defense. So with this game being in Baltimore, I like the Ravens. Steelers, Alex, the, uh, the the Chiefs better win this game because I don't know how many the Ravens are going to lose this season. Um, it's really hard for me to pick this game because I really want the Chiefs to win so badly. But I think at the end of the day, I have to agree with you, Alex. I think I think the Ravens are have shown that they're the better team. They've shown more offensive firepower. I think it's going to be a shootout, but at the end of the day, I think the Ravens' defense is a top unit in the NFL, one of the best, and that's going to win the game. Yeah. Now, it also feels like, you know, and I'm not saying Mahomes is Brady yet. Brady's the greatest of all time, and Belichick's the greatest of all time. But with Brady and Belichick splitting up, I feel like Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are like the new the new duo you do not want to bet against. We just bet against them. Well, I know, I know, but I, I that's why I, that's why I'm nervous to pick Baltimore because I feel like they're st- they're becoming you know after coming down twenty four nothing against Houston and then a couple of ten point deficits against Tennessee and San Francisco all in the playoffs. They're that team that no deficit is too big. So I, I feel like this could this could come back to bite both of us. But either way, I expect it to be an incredible game, high scoring affair, and. <sighs> quite possibly the game of the year. So, Shai, kind of with, you know, any last thoughts, you know, opinions, things you're excited to see as we approach uh, week three of the NFL season? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for a lot of different things this week and a lot of different matchups. Uh, the Ravens and Chiefs has got to be the, the, the number one on my list. And I'm hoping we see sort of that a, a, a repeat of that Rams-Chiefs game from uh, a year a year Was it a year back or two? I think it was back? two. I think it was two. It was Mahomes', Mahomes is second year, but first year he was really starting. Right. So that I'm looking for a repeat of that game because that game was just a 
Yeah, I guess I'm really excited for the Rams-Bills game. Both teams that have played better than we expected, but maybe against competition that has not been up to par. So both getting their first real test. That's all the time we have on Game Time Podcast. We will see you next week.